ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, around the world this week, uh, really, there's so many places to head, but it's really all happening in Japan. Uh, Japan-based Australian journalist, copywriter and editor Lucy Damon about some of the things making news in Japan. Hi to you. Hey there, Tim. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. Gee, it's only three days into 2024 and already suffered two pretty startling tragedies. The first one, the 7.6, which is significant, magnitude earthquake that struck on the West Coast. Yeah, um, so this happened on the first day of like the first day of the year, so January this year. Yeah. Um, what's happened is in Ishikawa Prefecture, which is when Japan had the earthquakes in 2011, which killed about 20,000 people, that was in the top right area of Japan. So what's happening now is kind of in the middle to the left coast of Japan. So it, uh, right now, I think there's about a report of 57 people have died yeah. um, due to the earthquake. Yeah, and it's quite big. So the Tohoku one that killed so many people, yeah, uh, what, 12 years ago? now that was about a nine magnitude 9.1 like 9.0 and this one is a 7.6 so it's quite big so is this a a heavily urbanized area um so there's a city right near nearby called tanazawa which is quite um urbanized but where where the main destruction happened was on the noto peninsula so it's kind of a little peninsula that just shoots off ishikawa prefecture but the towns that were hit the hardest like Wajima has about 27,000 people and Suzu has about 13,000 people. Right. So. And uh, not that earthquakes are unusual, but uh, of that magnitude, I mean, 7.6 is pretty big. Yes, it is. It's really big. It wasn't felt in Tokyo, but supposedly some some of the waves, some people felt a little bit in Tokyo. But no, this is pretty big. This is probably one of the, this is the biggest since Yes, and it comes usually with a tsunami warning. Is that the first since 2011, since the quakes then? Yes. So this is actually the first tsunami warning that of this magnitude um, since the 2011 earthquakes. So um, a lot has been done to prepare the area um, or lots of the areas around the earthquakes, like moving people away from um, kind of the near the water mm. edge. Um, but, yeah, so it is, yeah, the first one. Yeah, as you say, a lot's been done to prepare the country for these Uh, occurrences but I mean I guess it's the case anywhere Uh, are the people saying well you haven't done enough Um, yeah so basically what I think what's happening now is that the earthquake I mean the tsunami warning happened all along the coast so the left side of Japan is the sea of Japan Hmm. so all of the prefectures Japan has like 47 states like prefectures um, and all of the ones along the side there from right up the top to down below Ishikawa were all sent um, warnings for the earthquake, for the tsunami. Mm. But I think it was a couple, about a metre high in the end. But mm. given the devastation of the last one, of course, oh, everyone wanted cool. to be warned. Yes, that was truly horrifying. And some bullet trains stranded for, what, 11 hours because of the quake? Yes, yeah, so some bullet trains were stranded for 11 hours, but some of the nice news that happened there was um, people were actually... The workers from the trains, because of course, uh, like bullet trains shoot across all across the country, and they are kind of often impacted by things like earthquakes, of course. So basically, a lot of the staff who were working on the trains, I've heard reports that they were going and collecting food and delivering it to the people who were stranded on the bullet trains. But yeah. in typical Japanese train fashion, everyone did arrive after 11 hours, did arrive yeah, right. um, at their yeah. place of destination. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least Japan has bullet trains. We don't. You're well, <laughs> well in front of us. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're terrific. I've been on them. What, what about aftershocks and uh, possible uh, more tsunami warnings? Any of that? 
Yeah, so I was um, speaking to a Japanese friend about this earlier today, and she said, because sometimes the Japanese and English news is a little bit, um, there's a little bit missing here and there, but there's, there's aftershocks going on in the area now. So they're consistently in the Noto Peninsula, they're happening. Some have been reported to be up to a, like 5.0, so it's still quite big. So yeah, it's all aftershocks are still definitely happening. I don't think there's any more tsunami warning for the moment, but of course, mm. aftershocks are typical, so... Yeah, and uh, good and this one, goodness me, crazy story. Uh, Japan Airlines Flight 516, this disaster. Now, the plane collided with the Coast Guard aircraft headed to Ishikawa, the earthquake site. Yeah, so this one was headed to, I think, Niigata maybe, actually, like near Ishikawa because they were sending food to okay. be delivered um, to the people who were um, stranded and the people who have been left um, following the earthquake. But, um, yeah, what happened was one of the planes flying from Sapporo, from, like, Chitose Airport, which is a lot of Australians do go up there. It's near Niseko, so maybe that's familiar for some people. Yeah. It was flying back to Tokyo, and as it landed in Haneda Airport, which is the one closest to Tokyo, it collided. But luckily, all of the people on the aeroplane, the the, the travel aeroplane, were fine yeah. flying from Sapporo. But, unfortunately, some of the people, I think about five people, four or five people yes. who were um, delivering the food, yeah, perished. You know yeah. the that's uh, the pilot, very famous pilot, who's the go-to for the media here, Richard Decrepney, said it's possible mm. that uh, Flight Five One Six didn't see uh, the Coast Guard plane on the tarmac. It would have uh, come across it too quickly. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well, which is kind of um, yeah, pretty yeah, terrifying. It wasn't supposed. Of course, they were. It was a last minute. I think addition course, to yeah. the air schedules. Yeah, but one of the good things was that. All of the evacuate the airplane now. You can see photos of it at the airport. It's completely burnt out. Mm -hmm. But um, everyone managed to escape within the ninety seconds. So there's a lot of like um, training with the um, staff that work on the airplanes there to make sure everyone could evacuate. And supposedly the plane was completely empty mm. within ninety seconds. So that's yeah. good news. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been seeing it on television uh, all week. It's just a terrible thing. Awful. Now, oh, yeah. gee, a, a political scandal. That's unusual. <laughs> 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 but executive members yeah. of the uh, the LDP in Japan are currently embroiled in one. What is it? Yeah, so it's been happening for a couple of months now, and this is a little bit, um, yeah, it's probably not that surprising, but the <laughs> Japan LDP, which is the main political party in Japan um, and has been for decades and decades and decades, has been under investigation for the past couple of months. The news is kind of coming up again now in the new year, but essentially they were pocketing excess funds that they received at fundraisers. Mm -hmm. So they supposedly, I think there's about 500 million yen. So that's probably in Australian dollars right now, $5 million is that they, that they kind of are accountable for, but there's probably more. So, yeah. Gee, that's a fair whack of election Wild. funding, $5 million. Struth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, the way it works is basically um, there's different fundraising. Like the in, it's a bit technical, but in the LDP there are a number of factions, so small little groups within that mm. party. And this one's part of the Abe government faction. And given Abe, uh. who was Japan's previous prime minister, mm. was such a powerful guy that apparently I've read and I've heard that some of the members thought that they could get away with it given how powerful he was. Mm. And some of this type of stuff has happened a little bit before. But what they did was they were supposed to sell tickets to 
um, like fundraising events and any of the tickets that certain members have to hit certain quotas to raise the money for the political party. But some of the excess money ended up in the pockets. And that was probably just to grease the pockets of other people that give them political power. Yeah. So no lavish cars or anything yet we haven't seen. Well, but, well yeah. not yet, no. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's an amazing stat. Is is that true? In 70 years, they've only lost two elections, the LDP. Yeah, it's it's wild. Wow. So, yeah, since 1955, I think they've only lost, yeah, that's when kind of all of the conservative parties came together and created the LDP. But it's pretty insane. But I think there's a couple of reasons that you can see for it. Um, I think... After me living in Japan, unfortunately, well, I can't vote. I never became a Japanese citizen, so I was never able to vote. But talking with my peers about politics in Japan, it's a lot of people, it's still a very conservative government. And I think a lot of younger people, maybe it's a little bit different to like Australia, is that most of them aren't that politically engaged. And the aging population Mm. in Japan is obviously quite conservative too. So it all works in their favours. So I was asking my friends whether they think this will kind of impact any future elections. And most of my Japanese friends said, I don't think so. Really? Is that right? So they don't think it could lead to their downfall at the next election? It's just, I suppose, well, almost accepted, is it? Really? I, th- I think it's, yeah, I think it's almost accepted. And I think that the political, and this is probably a conversation for another time, but I think the political disengagement in mm-hmm. Japan, yeah. especially within younger, the in the inability for young people to feel like, I guess, mobilized or inspired to vote and make political change mm. doesn't seem to really exist. So, yeah, yeah I think it's going to stay the same for a while now. Just back a step. That was something interesting you said. So um, if you stayed there long enough, could you become a Japanese citizen? Uh, citizen? Oh, I think you can become a naturalized Japanese uh-huh, right. citizen. Yeah, um, yeah I, if you stay in Japan for 10 years, you can become a permanent resident. But I think you, there's some ways, but it's really difficult. If you're, It's different to if you marry, say, someone in the States and you be, can switch well, to a right. passport. Yeah, that's right. um, yeah. yeah, it's a lot different. I have friends who their parents were Indian. They grew up in Japan, but they still don't have a Japanese passport. Oh, there you go. So yeah, it's right. pretty elusive, but it's the most powerful passport, I think, to get. Yeah. Of having access to the rest of the world, yeah, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, yeah, there you go. As I said, it uh, certainly has all been happening in Japan. Thanks for joining us. Much appreciated, hey? No, thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate it. Yeah, Japan. Yeah, you too. Japan-based journalist, copywriter, and editor Lucy Damon. You can find Lucy. That's Damon, spelled D-A-Y-M-A-N, at lucydamon.com. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Tim. See ya. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. 